Welcome to the Activity Hero Parent Power Podcast, where we help families navigate kids' out-of-school time, including enrichment activities, camps, and more. In this two-part series, we will talk about how to help kids and their parents be indistractable and in control of how much time is spent on screen devices. We all struggle with striking the right balance between screen time, homework, family time, chores, work, and free play. I'm Peggy Chang, co-founder of Activity Hero, and my guest is Nir Ayel, the author of Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life, a best-selling business book that is also on the top 10 list on Amazon's school-age parenting. I was intrigued by Nir's research and his four strategies to help kids and adults avoid conflicts, especially battles over kids' screen time. Nir, can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and your research? Sure. So I'm what you call a behavioral designer. So I help companies build the kind of products and services that form healthy habits in users' lives. So I taught many years at the Graduate School of Business at Stanford and then later at the Hassel Planner Institute of Design. And uh, I've written two books. The first book was called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And the idea there was to use the secrets of Facebook and the video game companies to build healthy habits through the technology we use. So uh, getting kids hooked onto online learning through a company like Kahoot, which is a company that uses my work, the hook model to, uh, to build healthy habits uh, when it comes to education, um, getting people hooked to exercise. So for example, FitBot is an app that uses my work to get people hooked to, uh, to, to physical fitness, uh, health tech, FinTech, any kind of behavior change application. That was the, the focus of my first book. The second book is called Indistractable. So if hooked was about how to build good habits, Indistractable is about how to break bad habits. And uh, particularly these, these bad habits that we have around distraction. And for many people, that's synonymous with the technology we use. Of course, there's all kinds of distractions, whether it's, you know, the television, uh, too much work, too much booze, too much news, like there's always, you know, one distraction or another. So what I wanted to do was to kind of go deeper into the psychology of why we go off track. Why don't we follow through with the things we know we need to do? And uh, there's a particular focus in the book on children. There's a whole section in the book on how to raise indistractable kids, uh, because as the father of a 13-year-old, I think that this is the skill of the century, that uh, if you think the world is distracting now, just wait a few years. It's only going to become more distracting, and it's absolutely essential that we teach our children how to be indistractable, because as technology becomes more pervasive and persuasive, it's going to become harder and harder to resist. So we have to make sure that we know how to use these tools. I'm not a Luddite. I love technology. And in fact, the jobs of the future require our children to be comfortable with the use of technology. But we want to make sure that we use the technology as opposed to the technology using us. That's so important. So what advice do you have for parents to raise indistractable kids? The first thing that when it comes to raising indistractable kids is exactly as you say, it's about becoming indistractable yourself. <laughs> I, I worked with many, many parents over the years, and I, uh, I always kind of grimace when you know, they tell me, oh, my, my kid is addicted to their smartphone. My kid won't stop playing video games. I can't get them off of uh, Fortnite or whatever. And meanwhile, as they're telling me this, they're checking their phone, checking their own email accounts or Facebook accounts or Instagram accounts. Well, you know, children are born with these invisible hypocrisy detection devices. They have these little antennas. I don't know if you knew this, but they actually have little invisible antennas coming out of their heads that are constantly scanning to see when we as parents screw up. And if we are hypocrites, they remember it, right? They look at that and they remember what we do. And so we can't tell our kids to do something and be something that we're not willing to be ourselves. 
So the first thing we have to do is to become indistractable parents. That is the most important first lesson. Then what we do is we work through these four basic steps to help our children learn this skill. Because, you know, what, what a lot of parents default to, I think the knee-jerk reaction is, well, I'm going to regulate this, right? I'm going to take away those devices. I'm going to set rules. I'm going to, you know, supervise every single thing my kid does. Uh, and that oftentimes backfires, in fact, because what happens, you know, the goal of parenting, let's start big picture here. I think the goal of parenting is not to raise children. That's not our job. Our job is to raise future adults. So if we don't teach this skill and help our children do this on their own, what do they do? You know what they're going to do when they go over to the friend's house. They do what they want when they leave for, you know, leave the house, go to college or get their first job. You know what they're going to do. They're going to do whatever they want. So we have to teach this skill of how do I control my attention? It is an absolutely critical skill because the world is really bifurcating into people who allow their time and attention to be controlled and manipulated by others, right? Not just technology, controlled by all kinds of other factors, right? Other interests that want to pull your attention away from you. Uh, and if we don't learn how to control our attention, then we don't choose the kind of life we live. So uh, it really comes down to following these four basic strategies to becoming indistractable. It's the same thing we do for ourselves and what we teach our children. Can you tell us about those four strategies? Sure. Yeah. So the first step is called mastering internal triggers. So internal triggers are 90% of the time we get distracted uh, are because of what we call internal triggers, as opposed to the external triggers. External triggers are the pings, the dings, the rings. It's what we tend to blame when we get distracted, right? My phone distracted me. My kids distracted me. That turns out to be only 10% of the time we get distracted. Studies find 90%, 90% of the time we get distracted, we get distracted because of what's called an internal trigger. An internal trigger is an uncomfortable emotional state that we seek to escape. Okay. Boredom, loneliness, fatigue, stress, anxiety, uncertainty. These uncomfortable emotions are the number one by far leading cause of distraction. So what we have to remember and what we have to teach our kids is that procrastination, distraction, it's not a character flaw. The vast majority of people, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't need medication. The vast majority of people simply don't have the skills. We don't teach these skills to deal with discomfort in a healthy way. Right. Because one of the main lessons of the book, at least that I've utilized in my own life, you know, I wrote this book for me. <laughs> I was highly distracted and it took me five years to write this book because I kept getting distracted until I learned these techniques. And now it's changed every aspect of my life. One of the mantras of the book is that time management is pain management. Time management is pain management. That if we don't learn how to master these internal triggers, they become our masters. So we have to learn strategies to deal with that discomfort in a healthy way as opposed to a harmful way. What most people do when they feel bored, lonely, indecisive, uncertain, stressed, they escape, right? Whether it's with too much news, too much booze, too much football, too much Facebook, anything can be a distraction if you don't know how to deal with that emotional discomfort. It doesn't mean you have to go see a therapist. It just means you need some tactics, some, some uh, practices that you can pull out and reference immediately so that you know how to deal with that, uh, with those internal triggers. So that's step number one. Step number two, and by the way, we can talk about why uh, the internal triggers that our children feel are so different from what we feel in our day-to-day -day lives. It's, it's a really important point to, to come back to. The second step is to make time for traction. Uh, another one of the most important lessons of, of my research over the past five years is that 
you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So most people just complain and moan about how, oh, they had so much to do and they didn't get things done because they got distracted. Their kids wanted this, their boss wanted that. Did you see what happened in the news? And they just can't finish what they said they were going to do. And then when you say, well, let me see what's on your schedule. What exactly did you get distracted from? I don't know. (laughs) There's just white space on my calendar. So you can't say you got distracted unless you know what you got distracted from, which means we have to plan our day. And it sounds like such a basic skill. Almost nobody does it. Uh, What most people do who are productivity uh, attuned is that they keep to-do lists. And it turns out that running your life on on a to-do list is one of the worst things that you can do for your personal productivity. It does nothing but reinforce a self-image of someone who doesn't finish what they say they're going to do. Because we all know that to-do lists have no constraints, right? And so every day you look at this to-do list of things that are yet undone. And so it really changes your self-perception. You you begin to believe that you're incapable of doing what you said you're going to do. So it's actually very harmful. What we want to do instead is keep a time box calendar. And I teach you how to do that, how to synchronize your schedule with your family, with your colleagues, uh, with the stakeholders in your life and to teach your kids how to have a schedule. It's incredibly important. A schedule that includes, by the way, time for video games, right? Time for play, time for recreation, right? But if we don't plan that time, then it doesn't happen. And so somebody else will plan it for you. Uh, and so we have to make sure we plan that time. We, we, tr- we do what we call turn our values into time. And I show you exactly how to do that in the book. The next step is to hack back the external triggers. This is step three. This is where we get to the usual suspects, right? How do we make sure that we're not constantly pinged and dinged all day? How do we make sure our kids know how to manage these external triggers? Uh, what the studies find in terms of, you know, we've all heard as parents that, oh, social media is, is melting our kids' brain and technologies are so bad for our kids. Well, it turns out if you actually dig into those studies, what's really going on, it's not the technology itself. It's what the technology is displacing, mainly sleep. A lack of sleep for children, especially for children, for growing brains is very deleterious, is really harmful to kids. It's harmful to adults as well, but it's particularly harmful for kids. So anything that pings, rings, or dings does not have a place in a child's room, not just their cell phones. Of course, they need to not sleep next to their cell phones. Also television, right? Anything that creates noise in their room while they're sleeping is a mistake. And so we need to remove those external triggers. We need to make sure that kids know how to use these technologies in a way that that also gives them the freedom to focus, right? So I get this question all the time of how do you know a child's ready for a particular technology? The answer is, do they know how to turn it off, right? Can they come to the dinner table and leave their phone in the charging station? Uh, when they do homework, do they know how to turn on do not disturb mode on their phone? So this is all about, these are very practical ways that we can uh, hack back these external triggers. And then finally, preventing distraction with pacts, which is the last line of defense. It's the firewall against distraction. And ironically, we can actually use technology to block out technology distraction. So I, I go through many different uh, products and services that we can use. Many of them are totally free uh, to help us do this. For example, a, an app that both my daughter and I use almost every single day is called Forest. And Forest is this super simple app that you uh, you type in how much time you want to do focused work for. And this little virtual tree is planted on your home, on your screen, on your phone. And if you pick up the phone and do anything with it, the cute little virtual tree dies. 
But if you don't pick up the phone, then you earn, you know, decorations for your tree. It's kind of a little gamified. And, uh, you know, my daughter uses it all the time. She loves it. I love it. It's great. And it's a great example of how technology can enable a pre-commitment is what we call it, a, a pact that you make with yourself that says, oh, that's not what I wanted to do right now. I wanted to stay focused. I can get to that later. Uh, and so basically, it's these four fundamental tools in concert, mastering internal triggers, making time for traction, hacking back external triggers, and preventing distraction with packs. Those are the four big strategies. Now, people always want tactics, right? Give me tips and tricks and life hacks. And that's kind of cheap, right? The tactics are what you do. Strategy is why you do it. So what I want people to understand are these four fundamental strategies, and then they can come up with their own tactics. I mean, I give people plenty of these tactics, but it's more important that we learn and teach these, t- these strategies, uh, because that's what gives us this lifetime of becoming indistractable. I, I, I listened to one of your talks, um, several months ago, and I did find that, that, that idea of an effort pack, right. I, I promised mm. myself, I'm going to turn off the slack, turn off my phone, um, not look at my inbox, that kind of thing. And I do it for 45 minutes and yeah, I'd, I'd see a total change in, in my ability to concentrate. Um, but for when you're, when you're talking about kids and, and really kind of scheduling out, I mean, do you, do you actually recommend that for a five-year-old, you would be scheduling out what are they doing like every half hour for the hours that they're awake? Well, so for, for five-year-olds, you know, if they're going to kindergarten, then most of their day is already scheduled, but sitting down, you know, what a lot of parents do is, is that they, they feel like they have to be the boss of their kids. And I think that that oftentimes leads to what we call psychological reactance, this, uh, uh, tendency that we all have to rebel when our agency and autonomy is threatened. This is a well-known psychological phenomenon. You probably can feel it in your gut. If you remember back to when your mom told you, you know, put on a coat, it's cold outside. And you said, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) That's that feeling of reactance. And starting from a very young age, I mean, school age children, the more autonomy we can grant them uh, with, you know, with conditions, they need to grow into that autonomy. Uh, We find that that yields some fantastic benefits, starting with how they plan their day. So even a five-year-old, you can sit down together with a big piece of paper, right? Maybe on an easel or something, especially when so many of us are, are homeschooling these days during, you know, considering the, the, the pandemic restrictions and to say, okay, how would you like to spend your, t- your time, right? How would you like to spend your day? And so, okay, this much time for school, this much time for homework, this much time for play with your friends, this much time for video games, whatever the case might be. Children from a, a, a relatively young age can, can plan the day with you And what this does is not only give them this sense of agency and control over their time, it gives them the relief of knowing that that thing I really want to do is coming up. So, so for example, you know, many parents don't plan time for their kid to do the things they love, whether it's spending time with their friends, going outside, or even playing an app on the iPad or, or a video game, giving a kid that, that knowledge that, okay, Time for the iPad, for a video game, for whatever, Roblox or, or Minecraft or whatever is scheduled in the day. Now they don't have to obsess about it all day long. They don't have to think, when can I squeeze it in? They know, oh, seven o'clock after dinner when the table is cleared, that's my time to play video games. So they don't have to think about it all day. And it gives them that peace of mind to know it's coming. It's also fantastic for parents <laughs> because then that becomes your time to do what you want. And this is the whole uh, process of schedule syncing that I talk about in the book, where 
by knowing your kid's schedule and them knowing your schedule, you can do what you want. The problem that a lot of us have is we don't take the 15 minutes. And this is literally how long it takes. We do this in my family now for years, 15 minutes a week of that schedule sync process. It's all it takes. We do it once a week. And now we all know kind of the, 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 the structure for our days. And of course, we also have people always say, well, what if there's, you know, spontaneity or what if something unexpected happens? Guess what? If it happens more than once, you can plan for it. So we plan buffer time in our schedule for, you know, this might take a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, but we have a basic structure to our days and it's made all the difference in the world. I'll give you one quick anecdote, a problem that I had, uh, my, my wife and I've been married now for almost 20 years, just about in a couple of months, it'll be 20 years that we've been married. And one of the problems that we had for, for many years was that I wasn't pulling my weight in the household. And uh, I'm embarrassed to, to admit this to you, but it turns out that this is a, a well-known phenomenon that even in the year 2021, men do not pull their fair share of household admin duties. Now, this is probably no surprise to most of your female listeners, but it was kind of a surprise to me because I would always tell my wife, you know, hey, if I'm not doing something, just tell me, you need me to take out the trash? Just, just say something. You need me to make lunch for our daughter? Just tell me, I'll do it. And what I didn't realize was that by me asking her to do this stuff, to remind me about my responsibilities, I was giving her yet another job. Now she's my babysitter. And so that problem came up in terms of, of these arguments that we would have. Well, today we never have those arguments anymore. Why? Because we sit down for 15 minutes once a week on Sunday evenings and we do a quick schedule sync. And now I know what are my responsibilities and when they need to get done. They're on my calendar. And so we've completely eliminated those, uh, those arguments. That's amazing. You have done so much research and have so much more information to share. How can parents find out more about this? Sure. So my blog is nearandfar.com. That's spelled like my first name, N-I-R. So N-I-R and far.com, nearandfar.com. And the book is called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. It's available on Audible for audiobook, as well as hardcover as well, wherever books are sold. Thanks so much, Nir. It's been wonderful to talk to you and hear all of this. And I got so much out of it. I wish I could go back in time and uh, redo this with my kids, but it's never too late, right? To, whether it's That's for right. myself or, or others. And it's just great to hear your advice. Oh, my pleasure. And Thank you so much for having research. me on the show. Thanks so much for listening. In the next episode, we'll hear Nir's advice on scheduling free play and the benefits of autonomy. If you plan your child's schedule, visit activityhero.com for summer and school holiday camps, online classes, and on-demand activities all year long.